Welcome to our weekly podcast where we chat with CEOs and founders of some of the most interesting and influential asset management companies in the world. And the fact of the matter is, I would say that, that today investors want to invest in things that they understand and relate to and even more so, you know, mean something to them. And um, I think, again, that's that's very much aligned with this sort of view that uh, people people want their, their investments to to correspond with their own personal convictions, beliefs and value systems. And to be honest, that's what we're trying to enable. Today, we are chatting with Raul Bouchan, co-founder of Rise CTF. Euro's first specialist thematic ETF user. Um, Raul and his three Rise ETF co-founders started Rise at almost three years ago with a view to creating a new type of asset manager, one that is focused on the future and one that is focused on using capital to address some of the major challenges of our time. Raul, welcome to our podcast with CSM Founders. I'm really happy to have you here today. I cannot wait to hear more about your experience and your thoughts. And, uh, and insights on the topics I have prepared for you. So first of all, let us give our listeners some context. Um, who is Raul Bushen? Tell us a bit about your background and why did you choose uh, this career, like a career in finance? Sure. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Patricia. It's, uh, and, and first of all, you know, thank you for having me on. Um, but back to your question, my, my background, I'm an individual I'm, I'm of Indian origin. Um, I was born in Sweden and I've grown up all around Europe from, from the Czech Republic to France to the UK and finally to Spain, uh, believe it or not, where, where I actually did my master's degree in finance at the Instituto de Empresa or IE in, in Madrid. And um, due to my international past, I've always been interested in culture and languages and thankfully, you know, picked up a few along the way. Uh, and it's also this international exposure that that got me exposed to the world of international finance. And so, you know, a couple of internships later and a brother who was also working in the industry, I knew that I wanted to also make my career in the world of international finance. So that's my background. I mean, that sounds like a really interesting background. I mean, you have been like everywhere and I'm quite surprised that you also did your master's degree in Spain because, you know, and so, yeah. So just like coming back to your, to your background on um, when did you decide you wanted to start your own asset management company? What drove you to think, I want to do this, or even I can do this? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on, on, the, on the languages part, and, and it certainly it's helped in, uh, in expanding across Europe, um, knowing a couple of European languages as clients obviously like to, like to speak their own language. Um, but yeah, to, to your question, you know, why did we decide to start our own asset management company? I think, um, I think, um, to answer that question, it, it, it may be helpful to just rewind back to, you know, 2008 um, and, and the fact that I'm just like so many others, you know, part of a generation that, that came of age um, during the, the global financial crisis or the, the great financial crisis, if you will. Um, and I think that, that we, and I include my friends and colleagues and people from my own uh, generation, um, especially those that went into finance, we've all had pretty interesting experiences and career paths. And, you know, the, the sort of uh, need to, to constantly reinvent ourselves and evolve our thinking, develop new skills. And um, the, the truth is, you know, the, the, the status quo didn't really work for us. And, and so we've, we've always had to, you know, in, in the finance industry, challenge that status quo. Um, because so many of us, you know, we were told that the industry that we were going into, um, you know, was going to be a certain way. And, and, and when we went into that industry, you know, it wasn't the industry that we discovered. So it's kind of forced us, I think, our generation to become 
you know, much, much more creative and, and disruptive, I think, than, than previous generations. And for the younger people who are listening to this podcast, um, you know, post GFC, the whole finance, financial industry, you know, changed quite, quite substantially. And, and for myself, um, having started my career in investment banking, which, which I quickly discovered wasn't for me to getting an offer from my top client at the time in 2013 to go and develop investment strategies for them to finally landing in the ETF space or the ETF world and discovering, you know, a sea of, of bigger opportunities in, in, a, in a rapidly expanding industry. I think I've become more and more comfortable with change and trying new things. Um, and also, you know, just generally, um, um, you know, looking at things and, and, and thinking and considering, you know, could this be done in a better way? And for myself and my three co-founders at Rise, you know, we, we did take a gamble in, in 2014 when we launched some of the first thematic ETFs in Europe. You know, thematic investing at the time was, was you know, it wasn't well known. Um, nobody really had any thematic ETFs and we sort of took the plunge and, and launched Europe's first. And thankfully that gamble paid off um, and we created a successful business that was then sold to one of the UK's um, largest asset managers. And with Rise, um, we actually saw in 2018, 2019, an opportunity to replicate that success. And we decided to double down on the product that clients had gotten to know us for, which was thematic ETFs. And uh, so I would say that the creation of Rise ETF itself was a calculated risk. And, and you know, we made sure that we had all the skill sets within our team from the outset, which is why we have a founding team of, of four co-founders as opposed to, you know, uh, one or two. Um, and that was important to us. You know, we wanted to make sure that all the skill sets sat within the team and that we were, um, uh, you know, we had a complete team when we were, when we were building, when we set out to build this, this company. Well, I mean, you had like, I, I, I'm just curious about like, because obviously, um, I'm also millennial and, and I've been here, like I heard so many times, like our duration are very individualistic and, and we don't care about other things apart from ourselves and, and we cannot commit to things. And you you seem like very committed. Are the rest of your colleagues, are the rest of the co-founders also like from the millennial generation? Are you all millennials as well? Yeah, most most of us. Um, I think uh, we, we like to say that one one of us is, you know, in, in, in the head, um, mentally at least, um, a millennial. So. So you know we're uh, we're quite uh, we're quite a young team and and you know we're we're quite committed as as you said to building a um, a fresh and new and interesting a more exciting a more relatable and meaningful type of uh, approach to to investing and and that's kind of what we set out to do and that what we're sort of that's the journey we've embarked on and and that's what we want to see to 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 full sort of realization but I think to your first point. Um, I think it, it is true that a lot of people think of millennials as quite disruptive, individualistic, you know, short-termist, and um, you know, perhaps um, you know there could be many many reasons for that. But but I think um, I think it's uh, very often just a broad brush broad brush kind of a way to describe um, you know a group of of people that that you don't truly or fully understand and can't relate with. So um, I think for from our perspective. You know, there's a there's a couple of uh, dimensions there which which are interesting and 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 again also speaks to why we decided to create um, an asset manager in the first place, which is that you know they they are looking for millennial the millennial generation and the generations that will come be, you know after the millennial generation you know Gen Z and, and beyond, I think they are going to be looking for a different approach and different style to of relating to to their investments um, and and I think 
that's where you've seen this sort of sea change in the way money is being managed today, which is, you know, more toward thematic products, more toward sustainable products and more towards things that, you know, are, are quite easily understandable from, from the label. Um, so, but I think connected to that, you know, we are at the same time, that generation that, you know, if we don't like it, we go in and recreate it. And, uh, and, and that's also quite, quite encouraging. Um, and one of the things, you know, that we recognized in building more and more thematic ETFs is that we were actually building the sorts of investment products we wanted to invest in ourselves. And, uh, to be honest, you know, couldn't find them in the market. Um, so literally that mentality in action, you know, if you can't, if you don't like it, go and create it. Um, and in doing so, I think we also discovered that that these products had a, had a market. You know, we weren't the only people that were thinking in this particular way. Um, and the fact of the matter is, I would say that, that today investors want to invest in things that they understand and relate to and even more so, you know, mean something to them. And um, I think, again, that's that's very much aligned with this sort of view that uh, people people want their, their investments to to correspond with their own personal convictions, beliefs, and value systems. And to be honest, that's what we're trying to enable. And coming back to that, what things do you do take in consideration when you are deciding what mega trends you're gonna you're gonna decide you're gonna invest next? What, what things come to your mind? Yeah, sure. So um, we look at a couple of couple of different things, um, but there, I would say there's sort of three main er main things that we look at when um, deciding whether something um, which is a mega trend should be wrapped into an ETF. One of the things I should preface this with is that um, there are a lot of themes that aren't necessarily investable um, and don't uh, necessarily make a good investment product. So there is a process of filtration which happens you know, even before the, the three things that I'm about to describe. So the, the three things, um, the first one is we need to see a sector or, or an industry where we're seeing growth rates upwards of at least 10% per year. So usually this is captured in some sort of compound annual growth rate or CAGR figure. Um, and the thematic market opportunity needs to show evidence of, uh, of fast growth um, and, and a relative market underpricing of that potential upside. So that's sort of the first thing we, we look for. Um, the, the second thing is, is the, the theme itself, the megatrend itself needs to be long term in nature. You know, we're not interested in short term opportunities or fads. Um, we're very much interested in structural, secular shifts in, in consumption, in production, in technology, in, um, in psychographics and behaviors, and th essentially things that we believe will, will, will drive the multiples of companies exposed to those areas higher over the long term as that particular theme or mega trend um, you know, benefit or, or fully materializes and matures over time. So, so that's a, that's a key aspect for us. You know, we're looking at, um, that taking a long-term view and we're looking at, you know, what industries, um, if it's a multi-industry theme or, or what particular sector, if it's uh, sector specific, um, you know, has the potential to, to, to really drive, um, long-term returns. And I think number three, we need the portfolios themselves, the companies in the universe or the companies exposed to the theme, the companies in the theme to be liquid. Uh, we're ultimately building an ETF and that ETF portfolio for us needs to be able to absorb the likely demand that we're expecting to see from investors. So, um, you know, it, it needs to be a, it can't, the, the opportunity cannot be so early that there, there is a sort of, um, you know, there aren't enough companies or, or there aren't enough liquid companies 
or um, another example would be, you know, the opportunity isn't global. Very much our themes, you know, have that global focus. So very, very often what we need as, as that sort of three, third key pillar is, um, is that, you know, ample, ample liquidity within, within the portfolio itself. I liked also like what you said earlier, uh, that you wanted to invest in things or you wanted to create something that thing that you that you would like to invest in. Um, I know like some of the things you have, uh, some of the of the themes you have are um, things like digital education and medical cannabis, cybersecurity, but also like the future of food or, or environmental impact. Are you very worried about what will happen with the future of the, the future generations? Absolutely. You know, we are we are worried. And and to be honest, you know, one of the key reasons for wanting to set Rise up and to create Rise was to become a, you know, to, to launch vehicles that better um, allocated and drove capital into the into future industries. And, you know, you can think about, um, you know, why we believe Uh, there's an opportunity today in the ETF space, which is that, you know, you can actually start to use capital markets to your advantage. Um, you know, we have the opportunity today to, to actually use capital markets um, um, in our in our favor to, to essentially drive capital towards the most important and, and meaningful growth stories of tomorrow. And that that is really and, and truly what thematic investing, in our view, should be about and is about. And, uh, and these growth stories are stories like the ones you, you see every day, you know, manifesting in clean energy, um, the stories that are manifesting in, in environmental solutions, um, the one that's manifesting in food sustainability and food security, and the one that's manifesting in, um, you know, things like electric vehicles and battery technologies, and the list goes on. But these are future industry that will actually help address some of the major environmental Um, and climatic challenges of our time. And I think the thematic approach, the thematic portfolio construction approach lends itself really, really well and powerfully towards um, investing in and backing some of these industries. And that's really what what we ultimately set out to do when we're setting up this company is really create that sort of vehicle where investors investors can 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 invest in the in the future stories and, and that, that the future future sort of sectors that Um, you know, are most important to them because some people will care more about food sustainability, others might care more about clean energy, but really offering that uh, that platform uh, of investment opportunities so people can 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 back the, the investments they, they see the biggest opportunity in. I really like that, like that you said about the future stories and, and, and people be able to invest in the things that really care about. I think that is very important because at the end of the day, when we, we want to invest in something that really matters to us, um, I want to say. So, so yeah, I think um, it's a really, a really interesting focus and a really, I don't know, um, um, down to earth focus as well, I would say. Um, I wanted also like, because obviously uh, you are fairly young. I mean, we are not that, you know, that young anymore, but um, we are we are fairly young for um, for to be like, a co I mean, for you, obviously, to be a co-founder and, and other people, um, I think, um, my, my thing, no, like maybe me, uh, young people might look at you like as a co-founder and investment strategy lead, strategies lead. Um, as a role model, like they might look at you and say, oh my God, I want to be like Raul when I grow up. 
Um, so, or like maybe not when you grow up because that would be like too young, but maybe someone, you know, is studying their degrees and, and, uh, and these things, they might look at you and say, oh, I want to do this as well. Um, what would you say to people that are considering a career in finance and I would advise, would you give to these people like, I don't know, that have this old fashioned view of, of the financial services industry? Yeah, that's a, that's a really um, uh, profound question. Um, I think, um, I think you know, on, on our side, or at least on, for me, um, it's never, throughout, throughout my, the entirety of my career, I, I would say I, I never ever felt like I had you know, all the answers and you kind of just uh, get put on a path and, and you just kind of walk it and um, it leads somewhere or it doesn't. Um, and then you have to find a new path if it doesn't. Um, but that sort of uh, being, a, being willing to, 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 to essentially disrupt your own thinking and try new things, I think is really important. I think for young people starting out today, chasing learning is probably, um, you know, one of the, one of the key things to that, that people should be doing, you know, learn as much as you can accumulate as much skill set, you know, uh, as many skill sets as possible and get a few great mentors. Um, and, and then, you know, beyond that, you know, if you, if you don't feel like the financial services industries, uh, representing the types of, uh, or offering the types of financial services that you want, then to be honest, go and disrupt, you know, you are the ultimately uh, young people today are the generation that will be consuming financial services in the future. And if you feel the industry is right for you, you know, change it. Um, and, and you, I mean, people, young people have the opportunity to do that today. Uh, for me, actually the, the really good news is that each generation of, of young people seem to be getting smarter. Um, and that's uh, that's something I've noticed, you know, just just having worked for for the last decade, a little over a decade. But um, the young people that I'm working with um, every day, both within and outside of Rise, are, are are in my view, you know, very much ahead intellectually, and it's truly uh, quite fascinating to see. Um, and I would urge young people today to not be afraid of, you know, taking the, the sort of calculated risk that we took when we set out uh, to to create this business. You know, don't be afraid of the unknown. The truth is, you know, you don't have to have your life figured out at 22 or 25 or even 30. If you have the skills, I think, and, and if you want to um, drive change in, a, in an industry that, that you're, you're interested in, um, you know, like we did, you know, go and be creative. You know, it might, it might just work. That was a really insightful uh, advice, Raul. Um, I, I can apply it to myself as well, I think. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, just joking because you know. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it was it was really great, and anyone hearing uh, this podcast might be really inspired by your words. And, uh, and yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, we are getting to the final of the of the podcast of this session, and I think this was a brilliant conversation. And uh, thank you so much, Rahul. I have very much enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Um, it is refreshing to see your new approach to it, if investing, and, and I'm glad that behind the company is a co-founder and team that is committed to challenging orthodoxy and offering investors with a way to participate in the growth stories of tomorrow. And uh, that is all for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Raul. Uh, Raul, I hope you have enjoyed staying um, with us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, I hope... Uh... I hope there was some uh, this this conversation will be will be beneficial to to some young people out there. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it will. Um, 
and uh, yeah, to young people and to and to older people as well. I think it was it was really interesting to see your approach and and to talk to you today. And and yeah, for the rest, um, thank you so much for for being here with me. And stay tuned for our next podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you.